Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of America, the podcast. Uh, just a few opening remarks I'd like to make about what this podcast is supposed to be about. Essentially, this is a look at world news and domestic news and stories from a decidedly American perspective, my own. Uh, I am twitter.com slash the Dominus, so if you want to hear more of my opinions and what I believe about all of this in an American perspective on the world, uh, head there and check for updates. So let's get started. All right, first topic is probably the biggest one right now, swine flu. It's getting pretty crazy out there. It uh, started in Mexico a little while ago and essentially has scared the living daylights uh, out of everyone in the world. It's passed through Mexico into the United States via several different areas, most likely because of our close proximity to Mexico. And here's the latest statistics. Apparently, by the CDC's latest report, there are a total of 64 cases of confirmed swine flu infection in the United States. The vast majority of them coming from New York City, where there are 45 cases. So, should we be worried? Maybe a little bit. Should we call states of emergency like Governor Schwarzenegger did? Probably not. As I recall, we had a similar scare back in the bird flu days, and that really didn't amount to much of anything. So, my advice is, let's keep watching it. CDC's doing a great job of doing that. But let's not freak out a little bit too much about this. I, I think it's going to be something that's going to pass. And stop asking about the president's health. Because they're not going to tell you if the president is sick. Because that would freak far too many people out. Alright, the other thing is the flyover that happened yesterday. For those of you who don't know, Air Force One did a flyover of New York City. About 1,000 feet in the air in order to get a photo op of Air Force One near the Statue of Liberty. Now, it sounds like a great idea. Only problem is they didn't tell anyone. Of course, they got the FAA approval, and they told the police and the fire department of New York, apparently, but they didn't tell any of the people. Now, that might be because of national security issues, of course, but they also didn't tell Mayor Bloomberg. Needless to say, he was pretty angry about the entire incident. There are videos on the internet that you can see. There's one circulating around that is all these people ducking and running. Uh, because actually, not only did it pass over Manhattan, but Air Force One passed over Ground Zero, or very close to it. And you can imagine, if you had lived there, how terrifying that must have been. So, absolutely terrible, terrible planning. The, the funniest part of this whole story is how it's all turning out at the White House. Robert Gibbs, the illustrious new press secretary of the White House, made another show-stopping performance when he claimed that he did not know anything about this beforehand and was getting quite frustrated with reporters that continuously asked him questions about this incident. Now, the funniest part came when he referred them to the White House. He's the White House press secretary. This is his job. It's his job to know where Air Force One is going to be and what's going to happen to it. In addition, Obama today, reports were saying that Obama today was 
furious when he found out about it. Again, a little bit preposterous that Obama didn't know where his airplane, the airplane he flies everywhere in, was during that time. They have brought up a man called, called Dare, I believe, that is being the fall guy for all of this. And it's just... To me, it seems like a ridiculously elaborate attempt by the Obama administration to not have to take any any credit for this or take it any of the blame for this and depend it on one guy or multiple guys. They've said that they had contacted an assistant to Mayor Bloomberg who apparently forgot to talk to Mayor Bloomberg about this incident. Again, a little bit preposterous. It seems to me like the Obama administration really screwed up on this one. And instead of like previous presidents would have done, taking the blame and apologizing, Obama is trying to skirt any of the blame and trying to pin it all on people that are not inside the White House. So, essentially, maybe the flyover was a photo op, but the entirety of the argument that the White House had nothing to do with this and did not know about it is another completely gigantic photo op. All right, more domestic news right now. Um, Chrysler. Now, this is this is something that's really pissing me off. Apparently, uh, we all know about the auto industry, and it's essentially going towards the bankruptcy. And we all know that General Motors has been bought out by the United States government, which I think is stupid. Why would you purchase a terrible company and run it through the government. Oh, wait. I know why. Because you want to promote smart cars and electric cars that nobody buys because they are terrible. No one wants to have to charge their car after an hour of driving when you can just go. Now, all of that aside, Obama's been buying up Chrysler, been buying up shares of stock in GM, and he's giving a lot of it to the United Auto Workers. 55% of Chrysler. I believe it's under a new plan that's about to take place, so this has, actually hasn't happened yet. But 55% of Chrysler is going to be owned by the United Auto Workers, a union. Obama just wants these unions to have so much power. And actually, actually, let me go back to my initial point. Chrysler, GM, all those Detroit companies. Big, gigantic car companies that have been failing. They ask for bailouts, they get the bailouts, but then they have to listen to the federal government on what they're, they have to do. They have to obey the federal government's guidelines and follow their rules if they want this bailout money, and they took it. So they do have to. Obama, one of, some of the rules are, let's make more fuel-efficient cars, that's great, but let's also promote electric cars. That is completely stupid. Because if you look at it, electric cars are not selling. Alternative fuel cars are not selling. They are actually losing money on develop, have lost money on developing those cars in the past. That's not going to change right now. That's not going to change just because the federal government says you have to sell these. Just because the United States government, under the Obama administration, decides that we should purchase these cars and decides that 
They want us to purchase these cars, and they want these companies, GM and Chrysler, to make more of these cars. Doesn't mean they're going to sell any better. They're not going to until people actually want to buy them. That's what absolutely confuses me about this whole thing. Obama wants to for Obama takes failing companies and decides to force them to make less of what makes them money and more of what they lose money on. So essentially, Obama is trying to get companies that are already failing to fail more. Now, this is absolutely economically ridiculous. Just, it, it, completely, completely stupid. I don't understand how this makes sense to anybody. Now, that is assuming that Obama doesn't know what he's doing and assumes this is the right thing. In reality, Obama just wants control. The Democrats and Obama just want, the Democrats in Congress, excuse me, and Obama just want control of these institutions. And quite honestly, it only makes sense if they don't care, which I don't think they do. If they don't care about how much money these companies lose, if they're forwarding their agenda, which is, let's make, quote-unquote, clean energy and greener cars. And the whole way they're going about it is just ridiculous. So not only are they trying to make these companies sell more of the things that they don't like, or, or don't sell, excuse me, but they're giving parts of these companies, large parts of these companies, in some cases, majority shares of stock in these companies to unions. That is not going to be good. When you give unions too much control, it is never good. Ever. So, anyway, moving on. Uh, Arlen Specter. So, most of you have heard the news, and if you haven't, I'll go ahead and tell you. Arlen Specter, a Republican senator from Pennsylvania, after voting for the stimulus bill and spending the first several months of the Obama administration in line for the, with the Democrats, decided that he wanted to move parties. Now, this is after he said that he didn't want to move parties. Here is a quote from him. I'm staying a Republican because I think I have an important role, a more important role to play there. The United States very desperately needs a two-party system. That's the basis of politics in America. I'm afraid we're becoming a one-party system with Republicans becoming just a regional party with so little representation of the Northeast or in the Middle Atlantic. I think as a governmental matter, it is very important to have a check and balance. That's a very important principle in, our, in the operation of our government, in the Constitution on Separation of Powers. And this was March 17th, just a little over a month ago. Now he has decided he wants to be a Democrat. He wants to be a full-fledged member of the Democratic Party. Now, the reasons he gives for this are because he believes that the Democrats are better for this. He believes that the Democrats are where he more ideologically lines, and that might be true. Apparently, and, and this is another quote from him, he says that, Since my election in 1980, as part of the Reagan Big Tent, the Republican Party has moved far to the right. Last year, more than 200,000 Republicans in Pennsylvania changed their registration to become Democrats. I now find my political philosophy more in line with Democrats than Republicans. Now, that may be true, but this proves a couple of things. First of all, Arlen Specter's word is not worth anything. He promised that he wasn't going to switch. And now he's saying that he does want to switch. And he's citing that he doesn't line up with Democrats or Republicans, and he's citing that 
the stimulus bill made him an outcast. And it did, because the stimulus bill was a load of pork, but that's another issue. The real issue here is that the Democrats continue to gain more power. And this continues to get them more power in the Senate. Now, now, a lot of people are going to say, he's a traitor. And a lot of people are going to say that he, this, this act makes him a traitor. Not really. Because he's been voting with the Democrats all along. It doesn't matter if he is a Democrat now. Even if he, he wasn't a Democrat and he wasn't giving them a bigger majority. Now he's giving them a bigger majority, but beforehand he was still voting with the Democrats and that was giving them the votes they needed regardless of the fact that he was a Republican. You, you see, it doesn't matter what party he is, it matters the way he votes. So, Arlen Specter, yes, is distressing that he has become a Democrat now, because that means he's probably going to vote their way more often, but he was already voting that way, and it's not as distressing as it would initially seem, because most people should have, most people were anticipating he was going to vote Democratic anyway. And for all of you people out there that are saying, Oh, the Republican Party can't keep on to moderates anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Arlen Specter is not a moderate. Arlen Specter is a liberal. He is a liberal Republican, or now he's a Democrat, but he was a liberal Republican. So all you people that are saying that we can't hold on to our moderates, the Republican Party cannot hold on to our moderates, why don't you stop? Because he's not a moderate. Moving on again. The last thing I'm going to cover kind of briefly, is Microsoft, a little bit of domestic company news now. Microsoft has decided that they want to make a phone to rival the iPhone. Now, this doesn't seem like it's a big bit of news just because it's kind of like, oh, Microsoft has been doing that with the Zoom, but it's kind of frustrating to me because Microsoft, if those of you who haven't seen the Microsoft What They Believe 2019 is going to look like video, it's amazing. Go look at it. Go Google it. Go look it up. It's absolutely fantastic. But Microsoft puts that video out about the future and says, this is what the future is going to be. This is what we want to see for the future. And then they decide to continue to fight Apple in places where Apple is already dominant. They're trying to beat Apple in the smartphone business. They're trying to do this. That's stupid. Microsoft is fighting a two-front war. One is, or three-front war, but I'm putting it in two fronts because there's two specific markets. One is with Apple. They're fighting them in the Zoom, and that does, that's not working out. The portable music player, Microsoft, is losing. Then, they're also fighting them in... Now, they're trying to fight them in the, portable, in the smartphone business. That's stupid. But they're also fighting Nintendo and Sony with consoles, and the console wars kind of are still getting meted out, but it looks like Nintendo's really ahead or has been really ahead for a while. So I think what Microsoft needs to do, scrap this whole phone business. They're not going to be able to compete with Apple, really. They haven't competed with the i, I with the uh, i iPod, excuse me. They haven't competed with the iPod, iPod, the Zoom, not working out very well. And if they go into a competitor to the iPhone, I don't think that's going to work out well very either, simply because Apple has a much bigger lead on them. And if they relate it to the Zoom in any way, it's going to be even worse. What they should do is try to get... If they're really bent on trying to get into a new market, they need to do the portable gaming market. That's because the PSP is is losing money. So much money. 
and that's mainly mainly because partly because the games for it are not that high quality typically, and partly because Sony does not know how to market the thing, or rather they are marketing it in a way that is absolutely terrible for business. What the Nintendo DS is absolutely killing in the international portable handheld games market. However, it had Nintendo has such a reputation, and this is something they will not get over for a long time, but such a reputation being kid-friendly, and a lot of its games really are kid-friendly, that Microsoft could, Microsoft could easily come in, make a shooter-friendly, portable um, system that is like the PSP, but better and more functional for first-person shooters and puts out quality stuff, and they could really make a killing. Not as bad, not as big as the Nintendo DS, but they can make a killing. That's at least what I think. Well, I'm about out of time, so this has been fun. Please continue to listen. Uh, episode 2, this will be a weekly thing, so episode 2 is going to come out probably about this time next week. Uh, again, my name is twitter.com slash thedominus. Look me up, and I will hope to see you guys next week.